Hi, Patrick here. And on today's big show, we checked in on a somewhat unexpected development in Irish language learning. Here's Marco Werman. Our language editor, Patrick Cox, host of the World in Words podcast, joins me in the studio. And Patrick, first of all, who speaks Irish today? Well, not many. There are very few native speakers of, of Irish these days, sometimes known as Gaelic. Somewhere between 80,000 and 130,000. A lot of people learn it, but not to a very high standard. The government has a ton of programs supporting it, but it remains a very vulnerable language, much more so than, say, Welsh. And given Irish pride and uh, patriotism, why are there so few speakers? Well, Irish is a victim of its own history. First, for hundreds of years, the language was suppressed by the English who occupied Ireland and they outlawed the language. Then when Ireland won its independence between the First World War and the Second World War, the new Irish state, understandably, uh, viewed the language as a cornerstone of nationalism, of nation building. So kids were made to learn it at school. And, you know, Marco, I interviewed my dad about this because he was one of those kids. And he learned Irish at school for more than 10 years. And I asked him what he remembers. I know how to count to, um, to nine. In door three, Cahar Kuig She Shakt that is one to nine. And then also I remember this little, this little request. On Will Cadagom Dolomark Marche de Holly. It means, please, miss, may I leave the room? Please, miss, may I leave the room? I, I suspect that's asking the teacher if uh, he can go to the bathroom. Yeah, and that's probably why he remembers it, because he doesn't <laughs> remember anything else from all of those years of learning Irish at school. Um, English was, and, and it still is, so dominant. And here's the other side of using the language for nation building, is that it becomes a symbol rather than you know, a, a way of communicating. Right. So how does this play out in Northern Ireland, where symbols are so important? Right. I mean, during the troubles there in the 60s, 70s and 80s, which we're now being reminded of an awful lot with the death of Margaret Thatcher, it was very much, the language was very symbolic. It was, it was uh, for Catholics, it was a symbol of resistance to British rule, famously the Catholic political party that was most closely associated with the IRA was called Sinn Féin. Uh, which means ourselves alone in Irish. And meanwhile, the Protestants, they disdained the language. They saw it as a Catholic symbol, so they didn't speak it. So as a result, the language became stuck, you know, fetishized and romanticized by one side and ignored by the other side. But now there is peace in Northern Ireland and there are signs of some new developments, some new attitudes to the Irish language. Patrick Cox, that's the background. Thanks for that. Let's hear more now on the story from Northern Ireland. Here's reporter Aaron Schrank. Lower Newtonards Road in East Belfast is solid Protestant territory. It was a hotspot for sectarian violence at the height of the Troubles. Today, British flags flutter from fences. Murals of masked gunmen adorn the sides of buildings. It's pretty much the last place you'd expect to find people learning Irish. But inside a community center, about a dozen people from the neighborhood are doing just that. So, Tom you wouldn't have seen this a few decades ago. Just ask Sandra Irvine. When I was at school, I was brought up in East Belfast in a very Protestant area, and for me to learn Irish would have been considered very strange. Irvine, though, had always been curious about the language. And I did actually attempt to learn Irish at that point, but couldn't find anywhere that I could go to. So it was in my mind for a very long time, but it wasn't an option. Now it is. There are classes here five times a week. 
This push for Protestant Irish learners is largely the work of one woman. Um, my name is Linda Irvine. My job is Irish Language Development Officer for East Belfast. As Irish Language Development Officer, Irvine's job is to convince people who at best see the language as irrelevant and at worst as an enemy tongue to care about it. She tells them to look back into history to when plenty of Protestants here spoke Irish. What the language does is it allows people to explore the idea of Irishness in an unthreatening way. We are Irish. I feel I'm Irish. This means a lot coming from Linda Irvine. Her brother-in-law, David, was a well-known member of the Ulster Volunteer Force, a Protestant paramilitary group. He did six years in prison before leading one of Northern Ireland's smaller political parties. It was almost like we gave people permission from the Protestant community. Like, if we could do it, it was all right. It sort of took the sting out of it or something. Linda Irvine's efforts coincide with a push across Northern Ireland, backed by the government, for Irish language learning. It's called LIFA, meaning fluent. The culture minister whose pet project this is is a Catholic and former IRA militant. But the campaign does have some cross-community support. Basil McRae is one of the leading Protestant politicians backing LIFA. He's in a Belfast cafe, asking patrons their thoughts on the Irish language. McRae says that for Protestants to embrace Irish, it needs to be freed from its divisive past. And he has a little dig at some Catholic politicians. He says they still use the language as a political prop, especially during heated debates in Parliament. You know when they're annoyed because they respond in a huge amount of Irish? It's like flying a flag. You go, fair enough, but it's got nothing to do about language and everything to do about politics. There's a well-known saying in Belfast, attributed to a Catholic Sinn Féin politician. Every word of Irish spoken is like another bullet being fired in the struggle for Irish freedom. It shows just how political the recent history of this language has been. But not everyone here remembers that history. In the three, caher, cuig. At a mixed Catholic and Protestant school south of Belfast, Cuthbert Aratora, or Tora for short, is speaking Irish with a room full of 10 and 11 year olds. These kids were born after the peace agreement. Tora is here to show them that the language doesn't have to be about politics. He's a Zimbabwean immigrant who moved to East Belfast 20 years ago. I'm a Protestant, so I don't buy to the stories that politicians use to justify pursuing certain narratives. The language isn't owned by a political entity. It's just something that is living. For Tura, Irish has been a way to connect with his new home. Before moving here, he didn't know how little it was spoken. Now he works to save it. Chirgan Changa, Chirgan Anam. A country with no language is a country without a soul. There you go. Say that. Chirgan Changa, Chirgan Anam. Tora is among a wave of immigrants coming to Northern Ireland who don't view Irish with decades of discord in mind. They see it as just another minority language, one that might be on its way out. Whether or not they're learning Irish, and few are, they are at least helping normalize attitudes towards the language. And maybe that will mean even a few more locals on either side of the Protestant-Catholic divide will consider picking it up. For The World, I'm Aaron Schrank in Belfast. We've got some pictures of new learners and teachers of Irish in Belfast. That's at theworld.org slash language. I'll see if I can rustle up that interview I did with my dad as well. It was in an early episode of the podcast, back in the mists of time. The pod is on Facebook. The page is called, uninspiringly, The World in Words. I'm on Twitter. That name's a little more inspiring. I tweet as Patricox. That's P-A-T-R-I-C-O-X. And if all goes according to plan, there'll be more Irish in the next pod, Irish Place Names. See you then.